Welcome back, everyone. It is the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast, because we don't want to grow up. We were Toys R Us kids. Still Toys R Us kids. Still. But Toys R Us doesn't exist anymore. Doesn't it? Well, they've restarted it. I think I heard that it was coming back. Yeah. There may be a few locations. I would go visit it. I would too, but I don't know if it would still have the same magic. I feel like the last toy store I was in was Toys R Us in Chattanooga. And I had to keep myself from checking out all of the toys that I wanted. So my answer is yes. (laughs) I mean, I'm here for it. If they want to keep on popping back up. Do it. So this feels good. We're like getting back in the flow, getting used to coming back up into our blanket fort. Yeah. Which we're going to change the blanket fort here soon. I've got plans on how to make it a bit more professional and grown up. But wait a minute. So all of our blankets aren't being used. So when we happen to have guests over, we actually have some extra blankets for everyone. That's true. But we do have the option (laughs) of all your sweaters because they're also providing sound deadening as well. That is true. I've got them hung up on the light strings. You know what is funny is that there are some of these sweaters I've had for so long that the one I see right there is from Delia's. From Delia's? Yeah. Wow. But- it was from Delia's like in the 2000s before they closed down. Hey, that's still that's still in our wheelhouse. <laughs> it's true. The early aughts. The early aughts. <laughs> Listen, we go through to almost the 10s. 2010. We don't go over 2010. Ish. We haven't. Every year it slides. Oh, okay. It's a sliding <laughs> scale. Making some new rules, I see. But that makes sense. I'm above the law. Whoa, <laughs> you just scared me. So in our welcome back episode, we talked a little bit about this new segment that we're going to have on the podcast. We're going to call it Show and Tell, and it's where we're going to highlight members of the We Don't Want to Grow Up community, whether you're a podcast listener or a follower on our social media. We just want to take a little time every every episode if we have enough people reaching out yeah, and tell you a little bit about them. Yes. I think it's a good plan. The big thing is don't be scared. Don't be scared. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. And you don't even have to leave us a voice message if you don't want to. Just Mm -hmm. fill out the questionnaire. We'll read it. If you don't want to send us pictures to post, you don't have to. It is 2022? Correct. Send photos, okay? Send (laughs) us a photo for crying out loud. Anyway. Okay, so who is the first person that's going to come up for show and tell? You got to come up in front of the whole classroom and show us your goods. (laughs) That sounds naughty. Naughty? No, I mean like a toy. (laughs) You're in dirty places in your mind. Uh, Okay. So the first person that we're going to share with you about is Joanna. So Joanna is someone that reached out to me after finding the podcast a year ago. And also she found our Instagram page and we became fast friends. And I'm telling you. Of all the fun things that have come to us as a result of starting We Don't Want to Grow Up, the friendships that I've made is by far the best part. And I just can't wait to meet everyone one day. And I hope one day we can like all get together somewhere and hang out and have a little nostalgia party. I can see how much fun that'll be in my mind right now. (laughs) So first of all, Joanna just sent us a fun little hello and we thought we would play it right here. Let's go. Hey, Stacy and Pete, it's Joanna. This is what my voice sounds like. So I filled out my questionnaire. I just want to say that thank you guys for doing the podcast and you really helped a lot of us get through the last two years. And I can't wait to meet you both one day. Bye. That is the first time that I've heard her voice. Me too, actually, which is funny because we talk to each other every single day, but it's like through text message and DM and whatnot. Okay. So Joanna, when we asked her age, she's like, do I have to tell you my age? And I was like, absolutely not. You can tell us whatever you want to tell us. Right. So I loved this answer. It says, I'm as old as my tongue and a little bit older than my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) 
that actually took a little bit of thought to be like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> yes. That's like the best answer I've ever heard. Where did that come from? I Joanna? don't know. I want to know like if someone in her family says that or. If she came up with that on the fly, mega props. Props, yeah. Yes. So then we asked favorite 80s movie and song. So her favorite 80s movie is The Princess Bride. Oh. And her favorite 80s song is Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Wake me up before you go-go. snapping right now her favorite 90s movie and song clueless yes and i want it that way by i don't know a boy band the backstreet boys (laughs) tell me why and listen as much as i love her i look i can't fault her for it i'm I'm an insane girl though you know she's the yin to my yang she's the ying to your yang ying i thought it was yin isn't it ying I think it's Y-I-N-G to Y-A-N-G. No, it's Y-I-N. Y-A-N-G. You're blowing my my mind after 45 years. I think you're right now that I think about it. (laughs) Dang it, you're right. I'm an idiot. (laughs) There's no ying. It's yin. I won't gloat too much. (sighs) I'm going to let you handle the rest of these. I'm done for this episode. I'll see you later. No. Okay, so her favorite childhood toy is her Rainbow Bright doll. She said, I still have her. So here's the question, Joanna. Is it the giant plushie or the smaller one? That is a good question. Hmm. Because my sister brought down her Rainbow Bright doll for you. Yes. She gave it to me for my birthday. Yeah. And a couple other toys. I was Mm -hmm. so excited. But it was the big one. Right. And then you gave me for my birthday the smaller one, the one that I actually had when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, So I don't know. Tell me which one you had. I actually know. I've. She has sent me a picture with that Rainbow Bright doll. And I can't remember right now if it was the smaller one or the big one. Going to have to find out. Favorite book as a child. This is one I've never heard of. Bunicula. Yes. So I, it's a Dracula bunny. Right. I am assuming. I asked her today how to pronounce it because I wanted to make sure I was right. I was like, is it like bunny and the end of Dracula? And she's like, yes. And then she sent me the cutest little pronunciation. Yeah. That said Bunicula. And her favorite place in the mall, Contempo Casuals to shop, and Ronnie Jockets. Ronnie Jockets. Ronnie Jockets, <laughs> the new favorite place in the mall to eat. Where do you go? Ronnie Jockets. Johnny Rockets. Johnny Rockets. <laughs> what kind of food is at Johnny Rockets? Oh, it's like a burger joint. It's like a diner. You didn't have one up there? No. Oh, I well, mean, we probably She's did. I am sheltered, okay? If it didn't have to do with Jesus or Harley <laughs> Davidson, I don't know about it. <laughs> Nothing in between. <laughs> Nothing in between. I was exposed to none of it. That would be a great country song, Jesus and Harley Davidson. Jeevus G- and Harley <laughs> Davidson. You just said Jeevus? <laughs> Jeevus. Oh, sorry, Joanna. Wow. Yeah, actually, I didn't know about Johnny Rockets, I think, until I lived in Orlando. There was one at the mall there. I know I've heard the name. I just didn't know what it was. And then she said, nothing was better than that second Saturday morning in September to watch all the new cartoons premiere with a big bowl of cereal. This is a revelation to me. I had no idea that there was a season of cartoons. Yeah, I don't know that I really noticed that either when I was watching cartoons as a kid. I think I just was always excited when they were on. I love that she knows that. I do too. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I would be sitting right next to her with an equally large bowl of cereal. That's right. Captain Crunch. I'm on the other side. What kind of cereal? Let me see what I'm craving right now. I mean, probably Fruity Pebbles. Okay. That was too fruity for me. Really? Yeah, I needed Cocoa Pebbles. Mm. I mean, I liked the chocolate flavored cereals. Like, I love Cocoa Pebbles. Mm -hmm. But I think I I typically went for the fruity kind. Fruity. Maybe I just liked it because it was so colorful. Anyway... Thank you, Joanna. Thank you for sharing, Joanna. You may go back to your seat now. (laughs) (laughs) You look beautiful today. Also, if you would like to participate in our show and tell, you can send us a DM or email us and we'll get the questionnaire to you. Also, keep an eye out for the Instagram post where I will be sharing the super cute photos that Joanna shared with us from when she was a kid, a teenager, and now. Thanks, Joanna. Thank you very much. All right. It's time for the main event. It's time for the main event. What would they call it at the drive-in? Feature like presentation? The main fe- yeah, our feature presentation. I could see like the, the lasers and lights going off. Yes. 
And the popcorn guys walking across Mm -hmm. in front of the screen. So for this episode, we thought, since there's a little holiday coming up, that it would only be appropriate to cover 1993's Groundhog Day. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb. I got you, babe. Okay, campers, rise and shine. And don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there. It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? Not hardly, Chuckers. It's... Good old Groundhog Day. Did you care about this event slash holiday as a kid? I remember teachers talking about it in school, and we would always like wait to hear if Punxsutawney Phil, it is, there's an N there. What? Look at it. There's an N. There's an N. Punxsutawney. I have cast so much shade on people for pronouncing that N because I didn't think there was an N there. I know. And then Look when I started doing the research, I was like, there is an N. I truly thought it was Puxatani with no N. Yeah. It's Punxsutawney. <sighs> I'm so. over for 2 this episode. <laughs> Little ying, Puxatani. <laughs> anyway, so I remember, you know, waiting to see if old Phil would see his shadow or not and doing some art projects with it. Mm. Do you? I mean, the day was on my radar as far as the fact that it existed. Right. My problem was and is that I cannot remember what you want this stupid groundhog to do. (laughs) So I was just always annoyed with this event slash holiday. Plus, you never got it off from school, so I don't care. (laughs) Right. Well, and for you, someone who lived in Western New York, I don't know that it even mattered because- yeah. You Winter's knew. going to May. Either way, it Doesn't was going to be snowing until then. Be so, like, Phil, you're wrong. But I think the idea is that if he sees his shadow, he goes back into his hole or den or whatever it yes. is. And then you have six more weeks of winter or whatever. I forget the number. I guess we should know this since we're covering Groundhog Day. <laughs> but if he doesn't see it, then he goes out and then winter is not going to be as long. I've already forgotten what you said, and I don't know which one's which. Why are you not listening to me? I'm listening. I just can't remember already. If he sees a shadow, he's It's a mental block. Don't worry about it. It's a mental block. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) So as we mentioned, this came out in 1993. It's a fantasy comedy film directed by Harold Ramis, who sadly Mm. passed away in 2014. It was also written by Ramis and Danny Rubin. It's about Phil Connors, who is kind of a jaded, temperamental television weatherman who has traveled to Punxsutawney, (laughs) Pennsylvania, to cover the annual Groundhog Day event there. Phil soon becomes trapped in this time loop where he's reliving February 2nd repeatedly. And Phil is played by one of our faves, Bill Murray. Andy McDowell plays Rita Hansen. Chris Elliott plays Larry the Cameraman. (laughs) Very close to Larry the Cable Guy. That is true. Yeah. Fun fact, I used to teach the child of Larry the Cable Guy's best friend. So Larry the Cable Guy, what was he on? So it was a big deal. He was in Cars. Cars. But he had his own show, right? I think so. Or did he just have his own like comedy tour? I mean, I know he did a comedy tour and stuff. Yeah. I remember watching the comedy videos. Mm -hmm. I, I thought he was on a show or something. I'm sure he was. Yeah. So it was his best friend's kid. Yes. Was, Did he ever come pick the kid up for his no, best friend? No. Not a good friend then. But we would always find out, you know, like they were heading off on his private plane to, yeah. you know, I don't know. He was that wealthy. Had his, he had his own plane. I don't know. Maybe not. Like I don't having know if your it was own a private plane, plane or not. I'm not sure. I said it confidently and now you're making me question my memories. Listen, I'm on you today. <laughs> You need to back off. You get no quarter. No quarter here, miss. You are not the ying to my yang. (laughs) Stephen Tobolowski as Ned Ryerson. Brian Doyle Murray, who's Bill Murray's brother, as Buster Green. And Marita Garrity as Nancy Taylor. Angela Patton as Miss Lancaster, who sadly passed away in 2016. And Rick Ducumin as Gus, who also passed away in 2015. Rick Overton is Ralph, and Robin Duke is Doris, the waitress. I love her. Yes, she's awesome. Kevin Hudson Campbell played the man in the hotel hallway. (laughs) With his sweater vest. Yes. And David Pasqueezy has (laughs) played Phil's (laughs) psychiatrist. That's pretty good. Pasqueezy. 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 
He's who? Phil's psychiatrist? Phil's psychiatrist. Les Podewell plays the homeless man, and he sadly passed away in 98. Mm-hmm. Hinden Walsh and Michael Shannon portray the newly married couple, Debbie and Fred. Who here saw Michael Shannon from the back of his head? This guy. This guy here. I was like, is that Michael Shannon? I didn't even see the guy's face. He didn't say anything. It was literally- Barely see a little bit of his profile. Yeah, it was like a quarter profile because you had the back of his head and just a little bit. I was like, is that Michael Shannon? He was so young too. Yeah. Finally, we have director Harold Ramis who cameos as Phil's neurologist and Punxsutawney Phil is portrayed by a groundhog known as Scooter. (laughs) We'll find out later why they didn't have the real Punxsutawney Phil in this movie. I can't wait. A lot more coming up. But first, let me tell you all the ways you can reach us. You can find us on Instagram at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. Please come and see us on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. Do you want that extra content? Come on over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash We Don't Want to Grow Up. Yeah, we have our pilots on Patreon series where we cover pilot episodes of TV shows. We've had some special holiday episodes, some Dear Diary episodes that I was too shy to share on our regular podcast. It's embarrassing. <laughs> and if you feel like making some fellow nostalgia loving friends, you can come join our Facebook group. It's called the Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. Fire us off an email at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. And one other thing you can do. Please leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform it is that you listen on, if it supports it. And a kind review, if that's how you feel. We love it. And if you don't like it, maybe just don't say anything at all. Yeah. Do us a solid. What did my mom say? If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Your mom suddenly has a Southern accent. She's a Southern bale. (laughs) But seriously, it only takes a few seconds of your time, and it helps us out so much. And you can also help by sharing about it on your social media or by word of mouth with anybody that you think might like it. Make a poster and put it up at your local roller skating rink. (laughs) Put a sign in your front yard. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into these fun facts. We have a lot of fun facts for this movie. We do. So first off, Tom Hanks and Michael Keaton turned down the role of Phil. Good thing that they did, because this is definitely a Bill Murray movie. Yeah, I did hear that Harold originally wanted Tom, but then decided that he was just too nice. And people were just going to already assume that he would become nice at the end, Mm -hmm. where you don't really know that with Bill Murray. So in the movie, Rita's favorite drink is sweet vermouth. This was because it was Harold Ramis's wife's favorite drink. I love that. So sweet. If you were ever a movie producer, director, you better put in all kinds of little Easter eggs that are all about me. They would be having vodka with orange soda all day. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the only thing I drink. That's what you're drinking right now. That's true. That's what your favorite drink is. (laughs) So Bill Murray was bitten by the groundhog twice during shooting. I can only imagine how that went. (laughs) I know. He had to have anti-rabies injections because they were so severe. That is wild. I know. So I guess that had to have been in like the car scene. Yeah. And that thing was just chomping on him. I wonder how they got around that, because I would not have enjoyed that if I were Bill Murray. No. So I thought this was pretty interesting. In the original ending, Rita reveals that she's also stuck in an endless time loop. I think it's interesting, too. Yeah. I wish they would have kept that. I know, but they would have had to do more with her to make it make sense. They would have, and yeah, it would have gotten really complicated. To try to tell both of those stories. Yeah, because as soon as he opened up to her, then she should have been like, me too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't find out in the end. So I don't know. But I, I wish they would have done that or done a sequel mm-hmm. where we see things from Rita's perspective. Her view. Yeah. yeah. So they filmed this from March 16th to June 10th in 1992. So they definitely had to bring in some fake snow. And they still had to wear their winter gear, even though some days it was 80 degrees. Yeah. And I mean, they had like full length jackets on. Yeah. Because it was supposed to be. It's the dead of winter. February 2nd in Pennsylvania. So Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania does not have a town center that looks good on camera. So they shot this in Woodstock, Illinois. Though Punxsutawney got their revenge by banning Punxsutawney Phil himself from appearing in the movie. And that is why Mr. Bitey himself, Scooter the Groundhog, was (laughs) chewing on Bill Murray. (laughs) Yep. They should have done it in Punxsutawney. Yeah. Go build a gazebo. Like, how complicated is that? It's not like it had some great city center. It had grass and a gazebo, I think. It may not even have 
It did have a gazebo. It did. Okay. But I believe now, I mean, I don't know how much they've updated the area where they do the ceremony, but now like hundreds of thousands of people go to Punxsutawney for Groundhog Day. Every year. Yes. And even at one point, both Bill Murray and Harold Ramis were the grand marshals. Really? The ceremony event. Yes. So Michael Shannon, we talked about him before, who had a very, very small role. And this was his film debut. He noticed that Bill Murray, who I'm sure to him was like it. Yeah. Was listening to his favorite band, Talking Heads, on a little boombox between takes. And he ended up embarrassing himself because he asked Bill if he liked the band. (laughs) (laughs) Quickly realizing how dumb the question was, since it was pretty obvious that he liked the band or he wouldn't be listening to them. I feel like that's a natural question. Oh, you like the Smiths. Yeah, but I guess maybe it was just the delivery. I don't know. Uh, And I guess Bill's response was pretty sarcastic. It was enough to let him know that he thought he was stupid for asking (laughs) that. And so later, Michael had told Harold Ramis about it. And Ramis made Bill apologize, which was even more embarrassing for Michael. Oh, Poor guy. I felt so bad for him. So three days of filming were wasted when Phil gave himself a mohawk, repainted his room, and had fun with a chainsaw. These are all deleted scenes. Mm -hmm. Ramis decided to cut that scene and just use the scene where Phil breaks that pencil before bed. And wakes up to find it whole again. So all of that work, the shaving of Bill's head, all of that is useless. Right. I mean, I don't think they actually shaved his head. But I think that the thing was that he wanted to show with that scene that Phil could destroy the room and then wake up in the morning and it all would be back to normal. Yeah. And cut his hair and do all that kind of stuff. But from what I read, he couldn't get the shot. Like there was supposed to be a shot that was like zoomed in on his face. Mm -hmm. And then... You go out and he's got the mohawk and then it switches to 6 a.m. And it was supposed to go back to normal, but they couldn't do the fade shot Mm. where it looked good. So then he just scrapped it. So you're saying that Bill Murray did not regrow his hair in three days. I'm saying that. After actually cutting it into a mohawk. (laughs) Is that what you're saying right now? Are you making fun of me because I called you out and said that he didn't really cut it? No, no, no. I'm making fun of myself for assuming that he cut his hair. (laughs) I wasn't sure if you actually thought he really shaved his hair. In my mind, that was three weeks. And I was like, "Eh, yeah, maybe. Uh, (laughs) And then as I thought about it, like, nah, yeah, that's like three months. Right. (laughs) So right after they first met, Stephen Tobolowski, who played Ned Ryerson, mentioned to Bill Murray that the Woodstock residents that were standing around to try to just get a glimpse of the filming looked famished. And so Murray ran into the bakery, purchased their entire supply of danishes, and then tossed them into the crowd. I hope he was like yelling. He was like, yeah, yeah. And I know. Like, ah, Bill Murray, Bill Murray, Bill Murray. <laughs> I can see that happening. It's so funny because like most of the stories I hear about Bill Murray, especially now, how he is nowadays, is that he's amazing. Yeah. But then I hear, you know, some of the stories around this movie and like Scrooge and stuff. And I'm like, he seems so temperamental. I think as an actor, he is temperamental. But as a person, he's a gem. Yeah, I hope so. I think that's the case. So bricks had to be removed to make the infamous puddle that Phil would step in every morning at the beginning of the movie after he talked to Ned Ryerson. Woodstock later added a plaque that reads, Bill Murray stepped here. (laughs) Mm-hmm. There is another plaque on the building wall at the corner that says Ned's Corner, where Phil Connors was continually accosted by Ned Ryerson. I love that. I think that's so great. I want to go there now and just see all that. Me too. So I actually have read a lot over the past couple of days about the philosophy behind this film and Mm -hmm. how deep you can take it. But I did find out that in the course of the film... Phil Connors endures Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of death and dying. So we see him go through denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Yeah. thought that was interesting. I think that's an interesting angle. Like, I want to go back and rewatch it now with that perspective. Right. I've never actually thought about that. The only one I can realize right now is the acceptance piece. So I want to go see the rest of the stages. Well, definitely depression because it gets dark for a little bit there. That's true. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. There was a big debate over whether or not Phil and Rita would have sex. Murray refused to shoot the last scene between the two. This was on the morning of February 3rd until it was determined whether or not 
he was wearing his pajamas. That's so funny. He's like, well, I mean, like, wouldn't he know before he shot the scene? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's because they were kind of leaving it yeah. up to the end until they made that decision. Harold Ramis put it to a vote for the cast and the crew. That's fun. It is fun. And do you know which way it went? It ended in a tie. <laughs> which it's like, are you kidding me? The assistant set director insisted the movie would be ruined if Phil appeared shirtless in the end. Harold Ramis considered that the tie-breaking vote. So that's one, no sex. That's one person's opinion. I mean, like, it's the... I don't think it would have been ruined to know that they had sex. I actually assumed that they had sex. I did too. Whether he was dressed or not. In the movies, they're always waking up fully clothed after they've had sex. Like, it doesn't really make sense, but that's what happens. That's a tough one. It, I don't think audiences would have cared at all. I think the majority of the care came from their thought process here. And nobody else would have cared. Right. I think sometimes you just overthink things. But yeah. I mean, I really, I just think people interpret it the way they want to. And I think in that moment, they're just as excited as he is that he's out of the loop. Today is tomorrow. Yes. Like he's finally out of the loop. Mm -hmm. So Bill Murray initially hated the final cut of the movie. He wanted Groundhog Day to be more philosophical than it was. And Harold Ramis really wanted to focus on the comedy. Sadly, this film marked the end of their nearly 20-year-long partnership and friendship, which had created films like Caddyshack, Stripes, Ghostbusters. Ugh, that's awful. It made me so sad when I found that out. After filming concluded, Bill Murray stopped speaking to Harold. He never contacted him, and he refused to talk about him in interviews. But Harold would speak about Murray, and he would criticize him some, but he would also talk about his dreams of the two of them reuniting. Oh, that breaks my heart. I know. But aside from like a few brief exchanges at public events, they didn't speak for nearly two decades. So like almost like the length of their friendship prior. And then uh, they reunited only in the few final months of Ramus's life, which oh ended in 2014. That is so rough. Like I think he was on his deathbed. Yeah. That's a movie and a story <sighs> in and of itself. I know. And I can't imagine what that was like then to film Ghostbusters Afterlife. I know. That's so tough. It's very deep. Yeah. On a lighter note. Yeah. <laughs> most of the time when Ramis tried to explain a scene to Bill Murray, Murray would interrupt and ask, just tell me, good Phil or bad Phil? <laughs> I like that. Let's keep it simple. He's just like, I just need to know how I need to play this. Yeah. So time loops have since been used in a ton of movies and TV shows since Groundhog Day, like Fifty First Dates, Edge of Tomorrow, Happy Death Day, Palm Springs, and then TV shows like Russian Doll, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, The X-Files, and my personal favorite, Supernatural. Woohoo! There's an episode called Mystery Spot that is very similar. I mean, it's it's also different, you know, because it involves a character dying repeatedly, but every time he dies, he wakes, he wakes up. He wakes up, but he's not aware of it. It's his brother that's aware of it. Mm -hmm. So it's a very entertaining episode. Oh, and then recently I watched a movie on Netflix. It's called When We First Met. Yeah. Uh, Amber told me about it. And it was actually really good. It has Adam Devine, which I sometimes am not a super fan of, but he was really charming in this movie. Is he the lead singer of a music group? No, you're thinking of Adam Levine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this movie was like Groundhog Day meets Back to the Future meets Butterfly Effect. How did you watch this movie without me? Well, because I thought it was just like a cheesy rom-com. And it wasn't. I mean, it still kind of was, but it was a, a fun time travel movie. Well, okay. So it was well done. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, it's not going to win any Oscars, but I thought it was entertaining. I mean, it's a popcorn flick. Yeah. Yeah. I need to watch this with you. All right. Let's watch it. All right. Lastly, nobody really knows how long Phil was stuck in this time loop. This whole conversation, like everything I read about this was so fascinating. To yes, me. it was very interesting to me, too. Harold Ramis once said he believed the film took place over 10 years. I disagreed. Later, he corrected himself, saying that it takes at least 10 years to become good at an activity. Though I think it takes 10 years to become very proficient at an activity. Well, but we saw him become proficient. 
Exactly. He did become proficient at many things like ice sculpting, learning to speak French. Like that all takes time. Playing the piano. Playing the piano. And Ramus said, allotting for the downtime and misguided years he spent, it has to be more like 30 or 40 years, which feels wow, which feels more right. And that's wild to think I know. about all of those days. So every 10 years is like 3,600 days. That is so I, I don't ever think about that when I watch this movie. Yeah, but I'm either. going to now. But in Ruben's original script, Phil was looping for 10,000 years. What? And he marked the time by reading one page in one of the B&B's library books every day. Now, I do really like that concept. I yes. wish that they had done that in the movie where we got to see him keeping track. Right. So that we actually knew how long it had been. Exactly. It's like all you have to do at that point is show a bookshelf right. or multiple bookshelves. Yes. And you know? show that where when he finishes a book, he puts it in a different section. So then he that way he can keep up with how many days. Yeah. You're like turning the page on, on like the 365th page of that book. And then you move on to the next mm-hmm. one or something like that, you know. Yeah. I believe in the movie, I read this earlier. Now I can't remember the exact number, but I it was 30 something days that we actually see yes. in the movie, whether it's like a, a longer scene or, you know, a lot of times we just saw like a little blip of a day. Yeah. And you think about the amount of time it takes to become proficient at the piano. Right. To become proficient at speaking French. All of those kind of things take a very long time. Suddenly proficient feels like it's not a real word. It's real. Okay. It exists. <laughs> well, I used it too after you said that. And then I was like, proficient. <laughs> proficient. It's like looking in a mirror. Like, do I exist? <laughs> Although I saw something on TikTok where it's like, you can get a reversible mirror. Because when we look in a mirror, we're seeing a reflection of ourselves. But yeah. it's opposite to what we'd expect. They have these mirrors that reverse what you see. <gasps> so you can see what other people see? Yes. And oh. it, it, it's like immediately you're like, oh. That that's me. It like your eyes like connect with yourself where they don't in the reversed version. I want to get one. Me too. Are they really expensive? Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to look into it. Yeah. Okay. Favorite moments. Yeah. My first one, when Phil is trying to get to know Rita better and he takes her to the diner and he's asking her about what her perfect guy is like mm-hmm. and she's rattling off all of these qualities and he's like, that's me. Me. Me, also me, you know, that he's just very confident. And then when she says, He's got a good body, but he doesn't have to look in the mirror every two minutes. And then he says, I have a great body, and sometimes I go months without looking. (laughs) Just think it's a, a, a subtle, funny moment. And then she keeps going. And finally, he's like, I'm really, really close. (laughs) He's like, I could do this. (laughs) You want me almost. My first one, when Phil is trying to save the elderly gentleman over and over again, we see his many attempts to do that. You can see Phil's perspective change through that whole experience. Yeah, I feel like that's the moment where everything pivots and he starts to do good. Yes. It's like his acceptance phase starts then. But he also starts to realize that he's not a god because for a while he was thinking he was a god, you know, like nothing else makes sense. And then he's like, well, I must not be a god if no matter what I do, I cannot save him. Yeah. Like he's got a puzzle to figure out and like figuring out that part of the puzzle is important too, that you can't save everyone. Right. But you can be kind to them, which Mm -hmm. he started being kind. That's a good one. Thanks. Number two for me, when Phil finally just tells Rita what's going on, he does tell her that he's a god and he's trying to prove it by telling her like who all the people in the diner are and what's about to happen next. This scene reminds me a lot of that supernatural episode that I was talking about. Yeah. And then he tells her all about herself, like private things that he couldn't have known without her telling him. And she knows she's never told him those things as far as she knows, you know, but he really gets me when he says... And when you stand in the snow, you look like an angel. You can tell that's legit. It is. Very romantical. And this is when she decides that she just needs to stay with him all day. Like she's intrigued. And they fall asleep together. And then he tells her how he really feels about her. But she's asleep, so she doesn't really hear it. It's Mm. all very sweet. And you see all the layers falling away from him. Yeah. My thought in that scene was, I am never introspective enough to answer the questions like Rita did. Really? Yeah, I can't answer those questions. Well, I mean, you don't have to think about what you want in a person now because you have your person. 
Yeah, but you didn't I still think about that before you found your person. No, I could not answer that question before I was with you. Huh. I mean, I definitely thought about it. Maybe that's just, well, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that that's just a girl thing because yeah, I think there are people out there. Sure. All kinds of people think about who their ideal person would be. Yeah, I think it's like a type of person thing. Right. I don't always dig into everything that I should or you do. <laughs> but you're very introspective in other ways. I am in other ways, just not in that way. I just know. You go by a feeling. Yes. I just know that you fit me. Right. I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure if I sat there and thought about it. Well, maybe you I tell c- me all the time all the reasons that you love me. Yeah, but I don't know that I could tell you that before we got together oh, okay. of what I was looking for and why you're a great fit for me. Hmm. Okay. All right. My next one, the scene where Phil takes the wheel to keep the two (laughs) drunk guys from driving. Oh, yeah, that's good. He then proceeds to lead the cops on this big chase through town where he's being a maniac. He gets caught because he rams into another car. The cops come up pretty laid back for a person they just chase through town. And the drunk guys don't really know what's going on. And they're just like, order me flapjacks. Like they think they're at a drive through. And Phil's like, too early for flapjacks? (laughs) Before they toss him right in jail. (laughs) Yep. This could actually be a joint favorite moment because the two of us were rolling. Yes. Watching this scene. So when Phil kidnaps Puxatawney Phil, (laughs) the groundhog, and steals the truck, I mean, (laughs) that groundhog's teeth specifically. (laughs) Yes. We were cracking up. I couldn't stop laughing. It looked like he's chewing something because he's just like, but he's like all up in front. Like they did a great job of framing that groundhog. (laughs) To make him look amazing. It was worth him getting chomped for that scene. Yes. And if you need a pick-me-up, go watch that scene because it will make you laugh. Just that face. Just that little beaver. (laughs) Just that beaver's face. Just that little beaver face. Just that groundhog's face. Yeah. Do cut it off before he, you know. Oh, ends it all. But (laughs) if you need a pick me up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't end well. But trigger warning. It helps to know that the next day everything's fine. So it's fine. (laughs) I also love that scene where Phil robs that bank truck. Yes. He's got it perfectly timed. He snatches that bag and sets out for the most perfect day. He goes and buys like a Rolls Royce or something like that. Really fancy car. Yeah. But it looks like the gem the Rock and Roadster. The Rock and Roadster from Jim, yes. but it's just like silver. It's definitely that same vehicle. He and was he's, inspired by Jim. Yes, and he's ready to live it up. Yeah, that's a good time. I love watching anything like that. It reminds me of like Ocean's Eleven or whatever, where a heist is yeah. like perfectly timed because he's been watching and studying and he knows exactly what's going to happen. And so he knows the exact moment to walk up there. The only way I could improve that scene is if Bill was just like walking from the park and he knew how to time it perfectly to where he could just not stop, just walk by, grab the bag and keep going. Perfectly timed because that guy's bending over and the other guy's looking the other way. Yeah. It would have been funny to see that a couple different times and the different things that he would have done with the money. Right. But, you know, I understand that they have to (laughs) they have to limit it because it it is a movie. It was cut for time. But it would have been fun to see him like, I don't know what else he would have done with the money for the day. But I did think it was interesting. I read that they wanted to make sure to keep it all within the town of Punxsutawney. Yeah. Because they just felt like it would take away from the the feeling of being trapped if he could go out into the city and do something even more fun. Right. It's great that they like had that storm around him. Yes. They kind of set that precedent that he can't get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, he could have, right? But it would have been more difficult. By the time yes. he would have been gotten anywhere, he wouldn't have had much time anyway. I Back mean, I then, guess he, he would've... had until 6 a.m. He did. He had the entire day. He could have stolen somebody's three-wheeler. True. Because I think those were still used back then, even though they're very dangerous. I think it would have just taken away, though, yeah. from the feeling of it all. It was a good idea to, to limit him to that space. Mm-hmm. Okay, HMs. So when Phil has finally gotten out of his slump, his dark place, and then he starts making use of his time, and he's learning the new things like the piano and how to speak French and how to ice sculpt, and then he's also running his daily errands, which includes catching a kid who falls out of a tree and changing a flat tire for some older ladies and uh, saving a man who's choking and things like that. 
that's just a really uplifting part of the movie, you know, and he's seeing every day as an opportunity to learn and help others and spread joy. And even though time is standing still, you see that he is changing and becoming a better person. Yeah, he finally like embraces it. Right. And sees like the benefits of it. For a certain amount of time, I'm glad that it's only 30 to 40 years because I feel like a 10,000 year span might have demotivated him a little bit. (laughs) A little bit. He would have ran out of things to learn at that point. Right. Well, and it is a little bit of, you know, the metaphor of life of just the grind of people getting up every day, doing the same thing, going to work. That's good. Coming home. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Like what else could you do with your time that you have in front of you right now? Right. Hmm. And not just, you know, wasting it. Yeah. Not just playing VR, (laughs) but getting better at a game in VR. Not just binging TV shows. Learning more about those TV shows. (laughs) (laughs) And making a podcast out of it. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing something with that knowledge. That's right. Stop judging us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My HM, when Phil punches Ned Ryerson in the face, (laughs) but also when Phil hugs Ned passionately... And for a very long time. I love both of those scenes. He makes it so uncomfortable for him. And you could tell because Ned's like, and then immediately runs away. And he's like, he's won that battle. (laughs) Because he's just like, I don't know where you're heading, but I think you should call into work or whatever it is. And he's just like, oh, no. And supposedly that was improvised by Bill. Was it really? Yeah. That's amazing. I know. Yeah, I love that. And finally, when Phil wakes up and he realizes. Today is tomorrow. It happened. (laughs) The joy. The joy. He's just so cute with Rita. That whole scene with them is great. You know, he's just like, why are you here? And she's like, I bought you last night. I own you. (laughs) With her little Southern accent. Yeah. um, At the date auction she's talking about. But his face, when he looks out the window and sees the snow is there, it's just so great. It is great. He's so elated. And I guess really the moral of the story is that. For whatever reason, you know, he had to finally become a good person and fall in love and know what that all is to be able to move on out of his time loop. I feel like he had to solve each and every puzzle that was in front of him. He had to save everybody and get the girl. Yeah. And he did it all. He did. It just took him a long time. Just took him a little while. Finally, for me, when Phil memorizes Jeopardy. Yes. And absolutely knocks the socks off of those old folks. (laughs) They're amazed. They are amazed. I think about what that would feel like to witness. Be like, oh my gosh. But he's so like over the top about it. At first, he's answering the questions. Real casually. Very casually. And then he's answering them very quickly. And then he's answering them before the question is over. So he gets very aggressive. Still very impressive. And I love it. I think that's the kind of stuff I would do if yeah. I was stuck in a loop like that. I would just mess with people. Coupled on to that, I do love how eloquent Phil is in his final Groundhog Day broadcast. Oh, yes. And everyone is just riveted. Oh, they are riveted. But standing here among the people of Punxsutawney and basking in the warmth of their hearths and hearts, I couldn't imagine a better fate than a long and lustrous winter. You know, this is like whatever the award is for newscasters, he's winning that award. You've not heard a better (laughs) broadcast all year than what Phil did in that final one. And that's another thing is because he's obviously very jaded and just cranky and Mm -hmm. doesn't love his job and all of that. So then, you know, that's another thing that he has mastered. Yes. You know. Well, we finally did Groundhog Day, not Groundhog's Day, Groundhog Day. I know, we kept wanting to say Groundhog's Day. It's just Groundhog Day. Punxsutawney Phil. Punxsutawney. Punxsutawney. A.K.A. Scooter. Scooter. The chomper. (laughs) The chomping machine. (laughs) Okay, so 1993, we decided to share with you, I feel like we did this on our Patreon episode at Christmas time. I don't think we did it on a regular one. Instead of songs this week, we're going to just talk about a few big things that happened in 93, yeah. pop culture wise or just just in, in general. general, tech, pop culture. It's like Trivial Pursuit. We're going to cover all of the pie slices <laughs> yes. in Trivial Pursuit. And listen, it's just a few things. So don't come at us telling us we forgot so-and-so. Yeah, because... We we chose what we wanted to talk about. That'll chew a hole straight through you if people do that. I hate it. Yes, you do hate that. (laughs) Peace and love. Peace and love. Don't come at me with what I missed. Don't at her. (laughs) (laughs) 
Beanie Babies. Yes. Were created in 1993. I feel like I remember the Beanie Babies from 1988. This blows my mind. Yeah, not not 88. I feel like this is false. And this is a Mandela effect. And there were Beanie Babies in the late 80s. You're wrong. You're wrong. In my reality, I'm right. Then why would they have a special Beanie Babies episode in the Dark Side of the 90s (sighs) documentary? I don't know. Because I'm wrong, I guess, in my reality. In this reality that I've jumped over to. Where they say ying instead of yin. That's right. Where I came from, they say ying. There's a G. (laughs) You're the ying to my yang. Yes. So the great. Blizzard of 1993 strikes the eastern U.S., bringing record snowfalls and other severe weather all the way from Cuba to Quebec. I feel like you think that you were impacted by this. Please share your impact. I had a shirt that said, I survived the blizzard of 1993. So what happened here? We got 22 inches of snow in Chattanooga. That's a lot of snow. We were out of school for, I think, two weeks or about two weeks. Listen. I know you're from New York, so obviously you got more than we did. It doesn't matter. This was a big deal for us because we, I think this may have been the only time in my lifetime that I've ever been involved in anything that was referred to as a blizzard. And you're going to just try to make my experience seem so insignificant. It's absolutely valid. I'm misremembering my impact. I feel like what I'm thinking of is from 1991. And we'll talk about it whenever we cover something from 1991, because I'm not going to talk about it right now. All right, then. I feel... You were coming in so smug. I was. And listen, I accept the fact that we probably got a good amount of snow. I'm sure you did, but you always get a good amount of snow. At one point, I was five feet tall. I came out of my house, down the steps, and I was walking down the sidewalk. The snow on either side was at least a foot above my head. Yeah, I know. I've never experienced anything like that. And I don't remember what year that was because that was Tuesday in 1987. Right. (laughs) So a little bit more snow in 1993 didn't bother me. Right. But you've lived here for 20 something years now. Yeah. And it would shut this place down. You for sure never seen 22 inches of snow here. Yes. So I can you rem- have to know that that was huge here. Yes. I can remember a person that I worked with told me about their experience. There was no power. Yep. There was no water. Mm-hmm. They had to like climb out of their house because there was so much snow. So I feel for you because as a region, you're not prepared for that. You don't have the shovels. Right. Exactly. You don't have the infrastructure to come plow the roads. You don't have the salt to put on the road Mm -hmm. to make sure that the snow doesn't freeze into ice, all of this stuff. So I can see how it would shut things down. You better have your milk. You better have your bread (laughs) because you're staying in. I never understood why they say milk, because if you lose power, it's going to go bad. You can stick it in the snow. Well, yeah. But also that that's a tip from someone that lives somewhere that it snows all the time. We don't know all those things. And we didn't have the internet. It's too late. Right. We did lose power and we had, you know, like a cathedral ceiling. Yeah. Uh, So I remember we hung fishing line just kind of really close to the fireplace and hung up sheets so that it would hold the heat in as much as we could. Yeah. Anyway, that's my story. I like it. The (laughs) blizzard of 93. I actually think I might still have that shirt in a box somewhere. I hope I find it somewhere. How old would I have been in 1993? Uh, Like 16 or something? 15, 16? I think this might have been when I got the boot. (laughs) Because it was a legitimate blizzard when I was leaving and I was 16. That could be it. So I feel like I had my Adidas book bag, not a backpack. And I was walking through this blizzard to go learn how to party. Leaving your parents' house angrily. Very angrily. All right. All right. Highest grossing film. Welcome to Jurassic Park. (laughs) I think the next one under that, but it was like a good bit under that was Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw that in the theater. Mrs. Doubtfire? Yeah. Oh. Well, both. I think I saw both of them too, actually. On a sad note, this was the year that we lost Brandon Lee, River Phoenix, and Audrey Hepburn. Audrey as well. Yeah. I didn't know that. A lighter note, we got our first horrible video game movie adaptation from Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) I can remember watching this on HBO much later, and it's awful. (laughs) A little darker theme here. This was when the Siege of Waco happened with David Koresh. The Branch Davidians. Mm -hmm. 
Canada had its first female prime minister, Kim Campbell. Ah, oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, this was the final year of the Sears catalog. I found that really sad. That is sad. Really? 93. 93. They cut that whole division. JCPenney went on for a long time after that. They did. With their catalogs. I mean, I think they still exist. I don't I don't know that they put out catalogs anymore. Lisa Bonet filed for divorce from Lenny Kravitz after a two-year separation. Wow. That's timely seeing yes. that they just announced the divorce of Lisa to Jason Momoa. Mm. Lisa Bonet's good taste in men. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I would date Jason Momoa. Sorry. You have good taste as well. I do. <laughs> I want to go rock climbing, okay? And we're going to rock climb together. <laughs> and then we're going to surf. And then we're going to go get hoagies on the beachfront. You have a whole day planned out. <laughs> Me and Jason Momoa, we got a whole day planned out. And then we're going to play video games. Nice. And then we'll snuggle. <laughs> Did you write that all in an Etch-A-Sketch? <laughs> sound like Buddy the Elf right now. <laughs> so on his 35th birthday, Prince announces that he is changing his name to an unpronounceable symbol. This led to him being called the artist formerly known as Prince until the year 2000. That is insane that that was 1993. I feel I like that was 2005. I know. Depeche Mode becomes among the earliest bands to go on the internet to interact with fans as the group holds a question and answer session on AOL. <laughs> that is amazing. I read too that they had really awful connections and people yeah. kept dropping off and it was really frustrating. And I imagine at the time people were just like, screw this internet. Yeah. This is never going to work. I'm picturing how well it went like. Using my Zoom call example from today and how crap it was, just <laughs> like people pausing and like you can't see anything. It's 2022. This think, is 1993. I think it's like us trying to play a game with your entire family on a Zoom call. That went amazingly. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I'm talking about us trying to play Jackbox with everyone. Yes, that was smooth as butter. I don't know what you're talking about. That was so smooth. You're I so want to do it again right now. Right now. <laughs> My mom had it fully well, down. That was the that was the thing because we can play it with smaller groups of our family. We've done that successfully yes. a couple times. It's just you went to your parents first yeah. to try to get them situated before Mistake we added one. in everyone else, and that took you like an hour and a half to decide we're not playing Jackbox. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's an iPad? <laughs> What's the internet? <laughs> <laughs> Nirvana played their Unplugged concert ah, for MTV. Iconic. Amazing. And lastly, a lot of people had their film debuts that year, including Jennifer Aniston, Kate Beckinsale, Nev Campbell, John Favreau, Captain Star Wars himself, Summer Hayek and Terrence Howard, McConaughey. All and, right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. And Brittany Murphy. Oh. Anna Paquin and Ryan Reynolds. Alicia Silverstone and Jada Pinkett Smith in 1993? Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Mira Serino and Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn and Favs, both in Rudy. That's where they became buddies, I think. Incredible. Steve Zahn and Renee Zellweger. Yeah. 1993 gave us a lot. It's a big year. And I yeah. cut out a lot of people. Did you? I did. I only left in the ones I care about. Oh. <laughs> Who did you leave out? Oh, I don't know. Anything from Star Wars? I mean, no. no, the answer is no. The answer is no. <laughs> That's it for this one. Thanks for listening. Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>